Alright, whenever we get our text from the, from the book of Proverbs, it's probably hard to figure out what I'm going to be preaching about from that because there's a lot of random stuff in there. But I want you to notice uh, verse 22 of Proverbs 18. And it says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So, what I want to preach about tonight, right here it says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Who you marry is very, very important. I think we would all agree with that. That's just common sense right there, isn't it? I mean, I think we would all agree that next to salvation, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is who you will marry. And what I want to preach about tonight is specifically to the parents in helping your children find a spouse. I think it's interesting in our culture how... You know, where's, you know, parents, it's, it's kind of a part of our culture, you know, the parents be very hands on when it comes to certain things, you know, like where you're going to send your kid to school. You know, well, you know, parents, they want to help their kid decide what major they're going to take in college or what college they're going to go to or what kind of career they're going to go in. And, you know, that great, just, I mean, committed dad, he'll do everything he can to, you know, help his son uh, get that good position, all these things. And, that, and parents will be all over these things. You know, what doctors they should have. You know, all, all this stuff that parents, they'll be all over it. But all of a sudden, when it comes to finding a spouse, it is also part of our culture that parents butt out. That they have nothing to do with it. And let me tell you something, that's foolish. I mean, the most important decision your child will ever make next to receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior is who they're going to marry that is going to affect the rest of their life. It is going to affect your grandchildren's lives. And let me tell you something. One of my goals, one of my goals in raising my children is I want to raise my children in a way where I don't have to raise my grandchildren. Alright? I just want to enjoy my grandchildren. I don't want to have to be the one to spank them. I don't want to have to be the one to be the mean guy. I want to be the fun, I want to be the fun guy when it comes to my grandkids. And I'm telling you, that, that's how it is in our culture. You talk to a lot of young men. I've had many men tell me the only advice my dad ever gave me when it came to you know dating and things like that is just don't come home with a baby. That's what they and that's kind of our culture today. You know, you see it on television all the time. You know, where the son or the daughter you know introduces their fiance to the parents. You know what? I hope I don't meet my future you know, son-in-law or daughter-in-law like that. But after they get engaged, I want, to, I want to be involved before that to make sure before they get, you know, emotionally connected, before they've, you know, been engaged or something like that, I want to have known and be a part of this decision. I, that Because this is important, I want them to get it right. And I believe in the Bible, we see parents were very involved when it came to uh, their children finding a spouse. Now, one thing you won't see in the Bible, at least I don't see it, maybe I'm missing something, I don't see any commands in the Bible that says, you know, the parents have to be involved. I don't see that in the Bible. And you know what? I don't see arranged marriages in the Bible. Some people will try to tell you that the Bible teaches arranged marriage marriages. No, it doesn't. We don't see that at all. We see in the Bible, uh, you can see example after example, we'll probably see some of these, where, you know, the son and the daughter, they had a choice. Okay? They had a choice in the matter. I do not believe in just arranging your children's marriages. But at the same time, I'd like to help it out. All right? I think that is a good thing to do as a parent. 
And, lo- and you know, kids, a lot of times, see think, oh, I don't want my parents involved in this. My parents are going to sabotage everything. Let me tell you something. This is the goal of every parent, all right? And I'll tell you, it's definitely my goal. We just want, we want our kids to be happy. That's what we want. We just want them to be happy. Nobody wants a miserable child. Nobody wants their daughter to end up with some drunk bum. Nobody wants their son to end up with some brawling woman. Nobody wants that for their kids. They want their kids to be happy, okay? And so because of that, we realize that this is important. We've got to get this right. And so I want us to look at some things in the Bible I think will help us as parents know what to do and how we should be involved. Go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 14. Let's go there first. Judges chapter 14. I just want to show you here that parents were very involved in the process when it came to helping their children find a spouse. It says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath, the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Now, why didn't he just go get her himself? Why did he need his parents? All right. Now, obviously, it was probably customary in that time, even though we don't see the command in the Bible, you know, for the parents to be involved. Okay. Because in many cases, too, back then, all right, you know, your daughter was pretty much your property. Okay. It would just, you know, legally, you weren't going to have it where... Uh, some guy could just go steal your daughter. Okay, it just it didn't work that way in America. It's not really like that. But at the same time, this doesn't show show that they practiced arranged marriages. It just shows parents were very involved in the process because when it came to the woman, usually there was a father that they had to get the permission of. That woman's dad, especially, would have to, you know, be willing to give her to the son. And so the parents were very involved. And it says in verse 3, Then his father and mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, don't look at that verse and get the idea that, you know, it was God's will for her to, him to marry this woman because she was just the great woman. They were a match made in heaven. No, God was just going to use this situation to defeat the Philistines. What was about to happen with Samson was going to be bad. And we're not going to look at that whole story. We'll see some more of it in a little bit. But I just show you that to show how even with Samson, who was a grown man, whenever he found a wife, he went to his parents saying, you know, get her for me to wife. In other words, I need you to help me out in this situation. And so, um, look at... Um, well, we don't have to turn. I'm just going to hit several passages here. But when, we, when it comes to helping them find a spouse, okay? One of the things we want to do as a parent, and I'm going to show you too that, you know, kids aren't the best at this, all right? Your kids, you know, your young adults, they have not lived long enough to where they're going to even be capable of this, all right? But you do. We need to look for a spouse that's compatible, all right. And you're not going to find that on what like compatibility.com and one of these websites and things like that. OK, Look, you know, your kids better than anybody does. OK, better than some website. Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed. All right. Just because it is lawful for you to marry someone, even biblically, doesn't mean that you should do it. Okay, I mean, think, I mean, really, in reality, lawfully, okay, I don't believe there's anything biblically wrong with interracial marriage. Okay, but does that mean if you've got a young man and, he, and that he is just free 
or that he should marry just any female out there that's never been another man's wife just because she's a virgin? Does that mean you know he should marry them? Just because something's lawful doesn't mean it's what you should do. Okay? What did Paul say? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Now, when he said that, he was talking about food. But I think that applies. Just because something's lawful doesn't mean I should do it. And just because, yes, biblically... It's okay for you to marry this person doesn't mean you should. Okay? And sometimes young people will do that. The parent has a problem with this girl. The parent has a problem with this guy. You know, like you show me something in the Bible that tells me I can't marry this person. And maybe for the mom, it's just going off instinct. You know, maybe the dad, mom and dad are getting pervert vibes from the guy. Maybe the mom and dad, they know that type of girl. And they know their son, okay? And I'm not going to name any of these because I don't want to make people mad at me, all right? But there are certain parts of the country, there are certain types of women that I have told my boys, never marry a woman like that. Now, does it mean that these type of women are just bad and nobody should marry them? No, but let me tell you something. I know my boys, they're McMurtry's, all right? And they've got some of me in them. And I am not compatible with these type of women. I want to slap all of them, all right? And so it just, it, it would not work. I have told my boys, you stay away from the, this type. Okay? Now, it might, one of you other young men here, you might be fine if you marry a woman like that. You might be compatible, but let me tell you something. A McMurtry man and this, these types of women that I'm not going to mention because I don't want to offend people, we're just not, we're not compatible. I'm not even saying there's necessarily anything wrong with them, even though I do think there's something wrong with them. I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, you know, with with my boys, all right, you know, Tommy, Tommy would, I think he would do better with a woman that's probably more from the south than Jason would. All right, you know, I think, and you know, and. Um, or actually, Jason would probably do better with the southern one than Tommy. I'm getting that mixed up. You know, them northern women. Like my wife, they can be kind of tough sometimes. <laughs> kind of high maintenance wives, uh, as Joe Arthur said. But anyway, you know, there's this, there's this certain things, and, and I, I know my kids. I know my, you know, I know my girls. There's this certain type of people they're not going to click with. All right, parents, we know that, we get that stuff. We've been around, we've seen couples, we've lived life, we we know how these things work, and so you know we're we ought to be in part of this process. Okay. And we ought to look for compatibility. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Alright, so we, now we all know that verse. Like, well, as long as they're saved, it's fine. Not necessarily. Okay? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Some people... You know, are even though they can both be saved, but they can be culturally very different. Okay, and once again, I don't think interracial marriage is a sin. All right, I don't. I don't think it's wrong to do that. But you know, I think it would be wrong to say this person can't marry that person just because they've got different color skin. I think that is ridiculous. I don't think that's biblical at all. But I would warn somebody to say, well, hey, what kind of culture are they from? Now, there are some people that have different color skin. That are very Americanized, you know, that aren't much different than us. Or maybe, you know, there's people from that are maybe descend from other cultures, but maybe they grew up in a fundamental Baptist church, and I mean, and they are, they are no different than us, and they might be completely compatible, but sometimes there's there are there's just cultural things 
that can cause real problems with certain people. It's not the same with everybody. Some people are just more easygoing and probably are compatible with more, but some people aren't. You know, you've got to look at those things and parents know that. You know, you know your kids. And so just because something's lawful doesn't mean you ought to do it. Just because someone gets saved doesn't mean they're all of a sudden going to be like you. Some personalities don't mix well. You know, me and my wife, I think one of the things that works for us sometimes is the fact, you know, we're both firstborns. All right. But at the same time, you know, that can kind of create issues sometimes, too. You know, we're both pretty strong willed. Sometimes you see people who are opposites, you know, and either way, with any marriage, there is going to be some things that you both have to learn to work with. And there's going to have to be some things that you're going to have to overcome. No marriage is just going to be a walk in the park piece of cake. All right. But at the same time, some things are just asking for trouble. Sometimes we are, we're just asking for it when it comes to certain things. So just because someone is saved or grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean they're compatible. Look at Genesis chapter 24 and verse 36. Okay, now I understand in this, this situation, we're looking at saved versus lost. But I believe this is more than just a saved versus lost thing. I believe this is clearly a cultural thing. It says in Genesis 24, 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. You know why Abraham said that? This wasn't just a, a saved and lost thing. They saw how the women were of the Canaanites. And like, you know what? We don't want that type of woman with our son. So he said, you know what? Hey, I know how it is in my family. I know how it is in my culture. I want a, I want a daughter-in-law for my son that comes from the same culture. So he sent him uh, to his servant, to his family to find him a wife. And that's where they found Rebecca. Chapter 27, verse 46. says, And Rebekah said unto Isaac, so this is years later after Isaac and Rebekah got married, says, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Esau married, some, uh, married the daughters of Heth. Jacob now needs a wife. She says, If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Okay? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about these women, but obviously they had some issues. They clashed big time with Rebecca. Why is that? Because they came from a different culture. There were some serious problems and she was weary of her life. It says in Genesis 28, 1, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, Thy mother's brother. So Isaac does the same thing. Hey, just like my father did for me. Okay, my father got a wife from his brethren. We're going to do the same thing. And we're going to go and we're going to get a wife for my son from my wife's family. Why, and why is that? Well, they actually were from the same family as Abraham. And then two, these women were going to be much more likely... To be compatible, that we're going to be, they were, their culture was going to be similar. This was more than just a save versus lost thing. This was a compatibility thing. There was a, there was clear conflict between the families. Why? Because they were just completely different. Some cultures are way different. Okay, we were talking about that uh, with the missionaries this morning, just about just some of the cultural things that you have to deal with when you're in other countries. 
that, you know, we as Americans, we're not used to. It's just not a part of our culture. These things can be very difficult for people. Genesis 28, 6 says, And when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence, and that he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. So he goes and gets another wife, one that was related, one from Ishmael, Isaac's half-brother, thinking this will... This will please Isaac. All right, it didn't really work. You know, Ishmael. Uh, you know, he might have been related to Isaac, but you know what? Ishmael was a wild man. Ishmael wasn't anything like Isaac. Ishmael had a different culture than what Isaac had, and so uh, it, you know, it didn't really work. But Genesis six, Genesis chapter six, it says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, so that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children them, the same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. And if you go on your read, the world got extremely wicked as a result of this. As a result of the saved intermarrying with the lost, it ended up just completely wrecking the world. Okay, Now, what was the problem? And notice too, what was it? What was it that attracted the sons of God to the daughters of men? What was it? Saw that they were fair. Alright? Their looks. That was pretty much it. What did Samson say? Alright? Samson says, Get her for me to wife, for she pleases me well. Well, how is she pleasing him? Obviously, she looked good. Okay? And, and what are most boys? What are all boys? You know, what, you know, what's the first thing? You know, son, I want to try to help you find a wife. What are you looking for? Well, first thing, pretty. <laughs> Alright, hey, I get that. Who wants to marry an ugly one? All right, nobody wants that. You're going to have to live with her the rest of your life. You're going to have to look at her every morning. I get that. All right, I, you know, I, nobody. You know, I'm not going to try to set my boys up with someone ugly. You know, and I remember when we went to uh, when we went to Jordan. They were saying in that culture, often because they do have arranged marriages over there, and often the sister pretty much chooses the wife for her brother. That's, now, that's a great way to get your brothers and sisters to get along. All right? You're going to have a real nice brother in that situation. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, forget that. I'm thinking about my sister and some of her friends. And I'm thinking the ones that she'd probably try to set me up with. Because she feels sorry for her friend. I'm thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> thank God we don't have arranged marriages. And thank God my sister doesn't choose. But you know, that's what guys always look at. And I'll, and I'll say more about that in a little bit. But note, that, that's what got him going. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1, it says, But King Solomon loved many strange women. This doesn't mean they were weird. It means they were foreign. It means they were from other countries. They were from other cultures. They had other gods. And he loved them together with his daughter Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, 
Solomon clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Okay, now what, what happened here? Okay, Solomon got old, he got soft, and what these women from these other countries, from these other cultures, with other gods, they turned away his heart. And he was the king. He was the guy who had all the power. He had 700 wives, all right? It wouldn't have been any trouble for him to say, you know what, these women are tempting me to follow other gods off of their head, you know, or just get rid of them, banish them, something like that. He could have done any of that, but he didn't do it. They turned. They ended up turning his heart away. Why? Because, you know, it's easier to pull someone down than it is to lift someone up. Okay, it's like tug of war, all right? I'm a lot stronger than my wife, but... If I went and stood on the roof here with a rope and she's down on the ground with a rope and we're playing tug of war, who do you think is going to win? Right? She's going to end up beating me. And that's just the way it is. All right? The bad ones are going to pull you down more likely than you're going to pull them up. And it's like a lot of guys think, well, you know, I just, I just, all i got to do is just go get her saved. All right? I'm going to go out. I'm going to go knocking doors. I'm going to go find the pretty girl's house. And I'm going to get her saved. And then, boom, we'll, we'll be compatible just because she got saved. Wrong. Okay, if you know, depend. It's, you know, the older they are, the more baggage they're going to have. You know, you need to look at what kind of family that they come from, and the, you know, these things. I'm, I'm sorry, but they, they're gonna, they're gonna play a part in their life. Just because somebody gets saved doesn't mean they get downloaded with all the Bible. It doesn't mean all of a sudden they are just, I mean, just in with our culture and everything's going to work and be compatible. That is not the case. And you need to take those things into consideration. Just because somebody is saved, it doesn't mean uh, you know everything's going to work out just fine. And we got we got to look at these, these different cultures. It's going to end up pulling us down. Nehemiah chapter thirteen verse twenty three says, "In those days also I saw Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab, and their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language." of each people, and I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin." Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Joiada, of the son of Elisha, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanbalt, the Horonite. Therefore, I chased him from you. Sanbalt was a very wicked man who, I mean, was working against the Jews. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Okay, now once again, I get all this Old Testament stuff here. They had specific commands. It was unlawful for them to marry these people. I understand that we are all of one blood 
and that their you know interracial marriage is not a sin. I get that, but do you all think that God was telling them they couldn't marry these people just because it was a save versus lost thing? Obviously not. These laws that God gave, God gave for a reason. God gave to help preserve them as a people. God wanted them to be a happy people. And if they're intermarrying with all these wicked cultures, it's going to bring them down. It's going to hurt them. It's going to cause problems. And it is, it's very important that we take these things into consideration. And I've talked to people before too that are in marriages where completely lawful, but they, they were just from, they were from two completely different worlds. And you know what? It's not like on the fairy tales. It's not like on the movies where the two people meet from two completely different worlds and they get married and they live happily ever after. That's not what it's like. You know what? It's more like one of these epic war movies. You know, it's one of these action disaster movies of just chaos and turmoil and, or a horror movie. All right. That's all. That's all a lot of marriages are like a horror movie. And we need to watch out for this stuff. A lot of this is just common sense. It's just common sense. I know it always works out on the movie. All right. But really, does Hollywood know a thing about love? Does Hollywood know a thing about marriage? You know, it's amazing. I was talking, I was talking to the boys about this yesterday, how you know, many Hollywood characters, the parts that they often play are just like a polar opposite of what they really are. Guys like Michael Landon, you know, Charles Ingalls, who is just like the perfect dad, you know, just the perfect dad, always happy, always joyful. You know, in real life, was like a drunk and a terrible dad and a terrible father. All right? You know, it's... These people have no clue what they're doing. Yet they make all the movies and we're getting programmed with this junk. And let me tell you something. Hollywood is one of the big reasons parents aren't involved in helping their children find a spouse. Do you ever see that in Hollywood? Do you ever see it? And if you do, if you ever do see parents being involved at all, it's always some overbearing mother being a huge pain in the neck who's always wrong. Is that not what we always see? That is what exactly what we always see. And that, but at the same time, parents ought to be involved. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons parents need to be involved is because, okay, don't get offended. I was there at one time. Your child's judgment is impaired. Okay? Especially teenagers. Alright? Teenagers are very impaired. What did we see with Samson? Get her for me, for she pleases me. How did she please him? He had only seen her. So in other words, I like how she looks. Didn't matter that she was a Philistine. Didn't matter that Philistines were wicked. It didn't matter that she had a different God, that she had a completely different culture. It, that None of those things mattered to him. She looked good, so she wants them. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. In verse 31, says, "Look not thou, or not look, not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder." Now, why do you bring up wine? Do we not all agree that wine or alcohol impairs our judgment? Okay. And what does what do we do when our judgment is impaired? What does it say in the next verse? Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Okay, when our judgment's impaired, one of the things we do is we start beholding the strange women. It all of a sudden becomes all about the looks. 
and we end up making bad decisions. And, you know, they say, you know, beauty skin deep, ugliness is to the bone. You know, we've, we've heard all the things, right? Once again, I'm not telling you, just because a girl's pretty doesn't mean that she's a Jezebel or, you know, uh, you know, and just because they're ugly, you know, doesn't mean that they're a bad person either, all right? You know, there's some very godly women that are ugly, all right? But at the same time, uh, and you know, don't get mad at me for these things, but, you know, we all think these things, all right? I'm preaching right now. I've got to tell the truth, all right? But at the same time, you know, do we really think that's what we ought to do? Is go off looks? Do you really think, all right, dads, you were the teenage guy at one time. You were the single man at one time. You know, do you not, would you not admit that your judgment was impaired? And if not, and not even just impaired, you just didn't have life experience. I was telling my boys about the other day. It's like, I remember a lot of the girls when I was growing up that, you know, either ones I worked with or whatever that were really pretty. Those ones, you know, you just wait a few years. They always ended up pregnant. They always ended up looking like they were on drugs or whatever. And I'm telling you, some of the prettiest girls I knew growing up turned out to be some of the most homely horror stories you ever saw. And so, you know, I understand that now through experience. You know, so at the same, I understand, hey, you definitely need to look at the character of this woman. Here's another thing, too. You need to look at the mother-in-law. All right? That's the important thing. Now, I tell you, they're going to end up being just like their mom. And I'm trying to resist the mother-in-law jokes right now, but, you know, I didn't listen. No, I'm just kidding. You know, they tell you, you got, you got to look at that stuff. You need to pay attention to these things because it's going to, um, you know, you're going to be with. You're supposed to be with them till death do you part. And it's not about what they look like now, but what are they going to look like? Well, if it's a, if that young lady has no character, I promise you, she's not going. To, she's still not going to be pretty ten years from now. You want to find somebody that has some character. You want to find somebody that has some godliness. It, it, things change fast. Okay, you start getting older. You start having babies. Things are going to change. And like Phil Kidd says, oh, I love her. I love that Coke bottle figure. Well, what are you going to do when she looks like a three liter? You know, you got to, you got to think about those things. Hey, would you love this person if they were fat? You know, would you love this person when they're old and when they're gray? You've got to think about these things. They're important, but most people, they're only looking at, I like what I'm seeing. Therefore, I want her. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 5. Proverbs 7, verse 5. Once again, experience is a great teacher. Young men are not going to have this experience. All right? That 17, 18, 19, even 20 year old, they're not going to have this experience. Look at Proverbs 7, verse 5. It says, That they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Okay? Let me tell you something. This is something my dad taught me. Okay? In nature, you know, we used to go, I go deer hunting with him all the time. The buck always pursues the doe. Okay? The male pursues the female. I was always taught you run from the female that's pursuing you. You run for those aggressive women that are coming after you. They're the bad news. I was always told that. And I agree. But you know what? A lot of guys, they're dumb. All right? They're impaired. They get flattered by a girl. And all of a sudden, they're not thinking straight. And here we have a strange woman. What does the strange woman do? Okay, these, and these principles are timeless. You know what the strange woman does? She flattereth with her words. 
Hey, young men, some girl comes along and she just starts flattering you and just telling you how good looking you are and how great you are and how big and strong you are. Run from that girl. She is a strange woman. She's flattered with her words. Verse 6, For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. And I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. Boy, what's he doing stereotyping him like this? What's he doing judging him like this? Here, it's obvious by this man's actions by where he's at, by the time of night you know, he, where he's out, it's clear this is somebody who's void of understanding. He's an idiot. He's an imbecile. Passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight and evening in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the entire of a harlot and subtle of heart. Okay? You ought to pay attention to how they dress. If she's dressed in a way to advertise herself, while it might be pleasing to your eyes, you need to understand she's wearing the attire of a harlot for a reason. It's because she is one. And you're supposed to... A wise man will run from that. Oh, but it pleaseth me well. You need to run from that. Because you know what? You're not the only guy she's pleasing if she's dressing like that and advertising herself like that. That's not what you want. It says, uh, and she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. All right, watch out for them loud, noisy, obnoxious women. All right, meek and quiet spirit. The Bible talks about that. It's a, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. These loud and stubborn ones, run! All right, they're going to be loud and I mean, if they're loud and stubborn before you're married to them, you're in real trouble after you do get married to them. You're in big trouble after that. After they really start getting hormonal, after they get pregnant, after they start having... I'm telling you, man, run. If they're loud and stubborn now, I don't care how pretty they are, run. They're not going to stay They're not going to stay that pretty. Now is she without. Now in the streets and lies and wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offers with me this day have I paid my vows. She's the aggressor. You stay, stay away from those women. That is bad. Alright? Stay away from that. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and with carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning and let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and he will come home at a day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Okay, She didn't overpower him physically. She did it with the flattering of her lips. She fooled a young man who was impaired. He's a hormonal young man. He likes what he sees. He's too dumb to realize this, what this woman is because he has no life experience. And what does he do? He ends up giving in to her. And he says in verse 22, He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. I talk about it all the time. It's like that dumb cow in the butcher shop that has no idea that he is about to be killed and he is about to be cut up and he is about to be eaten. He's too dumb to realize this. One time we were at a youth conference, my wife and I, and it was at Providence Baptist College, and we were there and we were watching a young couple there at the college that was together. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And we, we were there and we're watching these two. And this one guy, he was supposed to be helping with things at the college. But he did. He had one of these high-maintenance girlfriends. 
And we saw her. We're sitting there. We're just watching. You know, we're you know we're the old adults. We're just sitting there, just observing. Kids are off having fun, and we're 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 just kind of watching what's going on. We're watching them have their back and forth. They're way across the room. We can't hear what they're saying, but we knew everything they were saying. She was nagging him for not paying enough attention to her. He was trying to do what he was supposed to be doing, helping out with the youth conference and everything, but she wanted her attention. And they, and he's there, and you can tell he's wanting to go do something and have fun, but she's just not letting him move. She's making him sit there, and the whole time we're just sitting there, with, you know, we're just like, man, he he needs to dump that girl. That girl is going to be a pain in the neck. She's a brawling woman. She was a pretty thing. She was a young pretty thing, but we knew her kind. We're like, man, this is bad. And you know what? He married her. I don't know where they're at right now, but I just I remember seeing that. And we were just like that poor guy. He thinks just because she looks good that, you know, he, she's going to be okay. She's going to be a nightmare. And, he, and I said, I don't know what happened. I don't know for a fact what happened, but I know what happened. All right. I've been around long enough. I know what happened in that situation. We are, we're just kind of sitting there, just run, run, dump her, dump her. You know, just kind of, have you ever done that before? Just watch conversations and you were like saying what they were saying? Um, am I the only one that does that? That's what we were doing in that situation, doing kind of like Solomon. Solomon's watching what's going on. He's looking out his window. He sees and he's like, oh, look at that idiot. You know, that lazy bum, you know, he, what's he doing staying up late at night? He should, you know, he's probably planning on sleeping in all day tomorrow. This guy's obviously lazy. He obviously doesn't work very hard. That means he's stupid. That means he doesn't think about his future. I know that woman that's over there that dresses like a hussy, that's always tempting men, he's going to fall for her. Yep, sure enough, she's going after him now. And he's, you know what? He's going to go along with her. He's going to listen to her. His life is going to be destroyed by her. Okay? Solomon knew this from experience. He knew this from wisdom. And I'm sure he had, that young man had a great time, but it ended up ruining his life. And we need to understand, you know, hormones affect their judgment. Okay? They're not thinking straight, especially guys. Alright? And, you know, and women too. Women, women can be crazy. All right, I don't want to talk a whole lot about that. But you got to, you know, we need to help them out. We need to, we need to guide them. And so parents, they need to be involved because your child's, child's judgment's impaired. You also need to be, uh, you need to help and not be a hindrance to the process. Okay, there are some parents, especially if they're from a church where this is really pushed and it's really taught that parents be involved. It's like they use this as like this strong arm tactic to always get what they want for their kids. You know. Like, you know, they, they won't let their kids ever date anyone or see anybody. And they, I mean, they literally are a massive hindrance. That is not what we need to do. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, okay? One thing, said, because I want my children to be happy, one thing I do not want for my children. And let me tell you, this, this is partly because of what the Bible says, alright? But... Even without the Bible, I would never want one of my children to fornicate. Ever. I would not want that to happen. Fornication is a wicked sin. It is devastating to them. It will ruin their life. I do not want that happening with my children. This, you know, it doesn't even matter that the Bible tells us that it's a sin and that it's very wicked. I wouldn't want that. Okay? There's all kinds of things, you know, our parents, as parents, we have these horrible nightmares for our kids. You know, that'd be my worst nightmare if my kid did this, if my kid became a drunk, or my daughter married a guy that uh, would beat, you know, beat her or whatever. You know, become a homo. You know, we all have these worst case 
scenarios, these things we would never want to happen. Well, you know one of the things I never want to happen with my kids? I don't ever want my kids to fornicate. I don't ever want it to happen. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, flee fornication. Run from it. Why do we need to run from it? You know why? Because it's chasing us. It's coming after us. What's, what's causing it to come after us? It's just a, it's a natural temptation. Okay, Your kids are going to hit an age and they are going to be interested in the opposite sex. That's just like parents. And it's like a lot of these parents, oh, I don't understand why my son is so interested in girls and you know why he's so tempted by these things. You know, he, he got saved five years ago. I don't understand why he's still struggling with this stuff. He's struggling that way because he's a healthy male. Okay? And we want to help them flee fornication, alright? I'm going I want to run with my kids away from fornication. I want to help fight that. And I and, and so because it says, he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Okay? So in verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Alright? It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Okay? Guys and girls need to keep their hands off each other. But they're going to want to touch each other. So what do we do? Right here, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. Okay? How do we avoid fornication? You let them get married so they can do what they want and it's all legit. Because marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. As parents, we need to help our children get to the marriage altar pure. And by trying to keep them from ever getting married, all you're doing is asking for temptation. You're just asking for problems in the flesh. We need to help them get there. And so, you know, if we're going to help them get the marriage altar pure, here's a few do's and don'ts. First of all, don't let them date super young. Okay? If they're not ready to get married, why do they need to be dating? Okay? I want my boys and my daughters to avoid fornication. So why would I let my 16-year-old jump in a car with a girl and go drive off and do whatever? Aren't we just asking for temptation? Is it, now, is there anything biblically wrong with a young man and a young woman you know, going and dating as long as they, they stay pure, as long as they keep their hands off each other? Is there anything biblically wrong with that? No. But is it a huge temptation? Absolutely. It's a massive temptation. And so, why would I encourage him, my son or my daughter's, to go get really close with somebody and be like, well, you guys can't get married for another, you know, until you, you know, there's 16 year old, we'll let them date each other, but you guys can't get married until you're 21. Really? Let me tell you, my wife and I, we were engaged for six months and it was the longest six months of my life. It was a nightmare. I don't ever, I don't ever want to go through that again. I'm really glad we didn't get engaged when we were 16. That would have stunk. I don't think I'd have survived. You know, and I can tell you right now, I wasn't ready to get married at 16. I wasn't ready to get married at 18. You know what? I was barely ready at 20. Alright? Okay? It worked. Alright? We made it work. I, I had to. And, I, but I, and I'm glad I did. I wouldn't change anything. But, you know, at the same time, I'm really glad I didn't date super young. First of all, if I'd have dated when I was really young, that was before I met my wife. And those are all horror stories then. I, I, I wasn't even tempted with most of the females I was around during that time. 
But you know, so don't let them date super young. But you know what? Don't make them wait till they're super old. Okay? You know, you don't if if, if they're in if they are old enough to get married. If you've got a son and he's mature, he's got a job, you know, and he's showing some character, and he finds a woman that he wants to marry, man, encourage it. Go right ahead. That's why I tell my boys, you want to get married? Okay, think about that. You might not want to buy the real expensive car with a massive car payments. That's going to hurt your ability to be able to provide for a wife. Hey, you want to get a wife? Great. Well, you might want to get a job. You know, you might want to live a life. You know, you might want to work hard. You know, get a career, accomplish some things instead of playing video games all day. You're not going to make a living that way. You're not going to be able to support a wife playing Mario. It's just not going to work. So, you know, you, you tell them what you, they need to do. That's how it was for me. I got to an age and all of a sudden I had a job that did, I didn't get paid very good, but I didn't need that much money. I was living at home. But all of a sudden, when I wanted a wife, when I got with my wife, I was like, you know what? I need to start making more money. And so, you know what I did? That motivated me to step out of my comfort zone and to go and find a better job so I would be able to provide for my wife. And so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of your, your, your boys, your young men, they're not always going to understand everything they need to do. They don't understand, you know, finances and bills and all the things they're going to have to deal with. So, you know what dads need to do is you need to show them, all right, this is where you need to get if you're going to be able to support a wife. Okay, you know, Tommy, he's probably going to be getting a, a regular job here pretty soon. He's only 16, not going to, you know, not going to be able to get a great job. But he's going to get a job, and one of the things I want to do with him is after he's getting a regular job, I want to sit down with him and show him, all right, this is what you need to start doing with your money. And I'm going to, I want to show him a plan financially. This is what you need. This is where you need to get if you want to support a wife. This is what you need to be doing financially if you want to be able to support a wife. He needs to know what he needs to do to get to that point. And you know what? If he gets there at a young age, and is ready, I'm not going to stop him from marrying somebody. Okay? But at the same time, a lot of young men, they just don't know. Their parents aren't helping. Their parents are just hands off. Yeah, just go work at McDonald's. You know, you'll be able to support a wife on that. Really? You know, just, you know, they, they, or they just don't say, they don't say anything. They will let their young millennial live in their basement, playing video games, and then, you know, and then occasionally dating girls and stuff. And it's like these people, they have no idea and they wonder why their kids get married. And they all live with mom and dad. You know, you didn't show them what they needed to do. You didn't show them what they were up against, what they needed to accomplish. And so, you know, help them. You know, protect them from temptation. You know, don't just, don't go throwing your daughters to the wolves. Don't send your daughter off in a car with some guy unsupervised. That's foolish. Okay? My daughters are too valuable. I'm not going to do that. Nor am I going to allow my sons to put themselves in such a compromising situation. That is dangerous. We've got to protect them from these things. You've got to give them that clear plan, that clear path to the marriage altar. And a lot of young ladies, it's like they're playing, you know, all I want to do is be a wife and a mother. So that's like their excuse to just sit at home and be lazy and good for nothing, eating ice cream all day. I'm, that's not going to help you get to the marriage altar. All right? Let me tell you something about being a wife. It's hard work. It's very hard work. Being a mother, it's hard work. These young ladies that have this attitude, I just sit around at home 
just waiting for a guy while they do nothing except sit around and eat and get fat and then they wonder why they can't get a husband. I'm sorry. That's why you're not getting a husband. You're lazy and you're pathetic. All right? You need to teach your daughters. You need to be a hard worker. All right? So you need to give them work to do. You need to give them responsibilities. You need to give them something to keep them busy so they don't want to be idle tattlers wandering about from house to house. So they don't be like that strange woman sitting on a corner, you know, advertising themselves and, you know, aggressively going after guys. You need to keep them busy. You need to give them something to do. A lot of these parents, too, when it comes to their daughters, they hover around them so much. It's like, you know, they practically lock them in their basements and make them just wait down there for some perfect guy to come along, you know, who's going to want to marry them. You know, you, you got to use some common sense, all right? You need to allow your daughters to do some things. You need to allow your daughters to have some things to keep them busy. And, and you're going to need to allow your daughters to actually be out there where they can actually meet somebody. So the guys, decent guys who are out there know that they exist. And, but many parents, they're, just, they're not thinking about these things. You know, they're so protective of their daughters. It's like they don't ever want to leave home. Let me tell you something. I love my girls. And I'm not looking forward to when the guys start coming along. Not, I'm, not, I'm not mentally ready for that. But let me tell you something. I've seen the young ladies who just never can leave home. And you know what? They're never happy. And I want my daughters to be happy. And so I understand they need to get married. They need to become wives. They need to become mothers. And so you know what? I want to help them get there. I want to help them do what they need to do to get there. And I, and I want them to have a lot of character so they'll get the good guys. You know, I'm not just going to let them sit around and get pathetic, lazy, and ugly. Otherwise, you know, what guy's going to want them? You know, you, you need to think about these things, all right? You know, it's, and it, it's amazing. It's like some parents, they want their daughters to just get homely and hideous so they don't have to worry about any guy coming along and snatching them away. I, I swear that's some parents' mentality. And it's like, you know, don't let that happen to your daughter. Don't, don't do that to them, you know? Don't, don't let them go on a strict diet of ice cream and donuts and soda. You know, don't, don't do that. But give them that clear path. You know, long engagements, okay, after, if, after they find somebody, let me tell you, long engagements are stupid. It, long, it, it's, it's ridiculous. These parents that want to make them wait, why do you want to wait so long? What's the, what's the point? You know, everybody believes they're right for each other. They want to get married. You know what? Let them get married. Why, why make them suffer? You know, why torment them? You know, there, if, if there is a reason to wait, you know, it needs to be a good reason. You know, and you've, you've got you've to take these things into consideration. But, um, you know, in teenage, once again, teenage dating, teenage dating is not unlawful biblically, but it's definitely not expedient. All right? It's not expedient. I know they do it on television all the time. I know on Disney Channel... All right, all the little 12 and 13 year olds, they go to their dances together and they all have their boyfriends and girlfriends and everything's fine, everything's cute, everything's innocent, everything's normal. But let me tell you something, that's Disney Channel. And Disney Channel is stupid. And teenage dating is stupid. You are just asking for trouble. You are asking for a lot of temptation. And I said, I don't see anywhere there's an age limit in the Bible. But if you're going to let your 16-year-old date, he better be really mature. And you better be ready for you know, him to... You know, he, he better have a whole lot of character. 
And he better, and you better, it's, let me tell you, it's going to be a long couple of years for them if you make them wait till they're 18 to get married or whatever. And you need, you need to think about these things. Don't, don't torture them. Don't put, don't put them in harm's way. You know, don't, and so don't let your child make the most important decision that they'll ever make next to salvation without your help. It doesn't make any sense. They need your wisdom. They need your help. It's a big pain, but it's worth it. Once again, if I get this right, if I get this right, if I can raise my, if I raise my kids right, I don't have to raise my grandkids. It's sad how many grandparents I know, they're tired, they're wore out, they're stressed out, and it's so hard for them because they're raising their grandkids. And why are they raising their grandkids? And not all the time, but in many cases, because they failed to raise their kids. Listen, if your kids get the wrong spouse, they're going to have problems for the rest of their life. Do, do we want that? I don't care what our stupid American culture says. As a parent, I said, I'm going to be involved. All right? I, I said, I, I'm not going to hover. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be controlling or anything like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. But I am interested in them getting, getting this right because it is very important. And I'm going to help them. All right? I, will, I will help my children. I want, to, I want to help them get to the marriage altar. I personally think if my kids will follow my lead, they will probably get married faster. And it's not that I'm in a hurry to get them out of the house. It's just, you know, I really think it will help. There's a lot of young people today who they got anxious because they were 18, 19, or 20. They were old maids or whatever, you know, 20. And so they got anxious and they rebelled against their parents. Well, now they're in their 30s and 40s and they're miserable. And, you know, they're on their second or third marriage or whatever. And they, they, they can't figure out what went wrong. You know what? You got impatient during those crucial years. And I remember, all right, I'm not as old as I look. All right? I'm only 37 years old. And when I was at that, that age from about 18 to 20, time just stops during that time. It did for me anyway. It is, it, it is a very crucial time. It's a very confusing time. There's so many, you're changing from a teenager to an adult. You know, you're going from your big responsibility being school and especially if you're homeschooled to where your parents are your boss, to going and getting a real job somewhere else, it's a lot more challenging and people you don't know being your boss and cussing you out. It's, it's difficult. It, it's a challenge. And it's something we, it is a very crucial time. And young people are very open to making very bad decisions during that time. And parents need to make sure you have your children's heart. You need to make sure you help them out. And you just, you just being strict and not letting them do anything that's not helping. And that's how a lot of parents are. They just do nothing. It's just like stall, stall, stall. They're just waiting for this knight in shining armor to just come riding up on a white horse, you know. And, you know, that's not how it works either. But we need, we need to get this right. It's so important. And so I hope some of these things we looked at tonight will be a help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. I pray You'll help us, Lord, as parents to watch out for our children, to help them get to the marriage altar pure. Dear Lord, I, this, it's so important and I'm, I'm afraid our culture has rubbed off on us, even as Christians, way more than we even want to admit. Help us to realize just the foolishness and the failure of our culture when it comes to uh, relationships and marriage and help us to go back to the principles of Your Word. Help us to follow these things so we can help our kids to uh, get to the marriage altar so they can, uh, our boys can find that wife and find that good thing so we can raise our daughters to be that good thing for a godly man somewhere and our kids can 
uh, go on and live happy lives after they leave our homes. I pray you'll help us there. In your name we pray. Amen.